We are so honored that you would take the time out of your week to listen to this week's message. We pray that you find it helpful and life-giving. If you would like more information on Hope Church, you can check us out at www.hopedelmarva.com. That's D-E-L-M-A-R-V-A.com. Thanks for listening. All right, cool. I'm so excited to share this word with you today. So let's pray. And we're going to just dive into what God has for us that he has laid on my heart a long time ago. I'm just so excited to share it with you. So, Jesus, you're so faithful and you're so good. And there is no one like you. No matter what we've had to deal with this week, no matter what happened or what somebody said about us, you're faithful and you're good and you're kind. And I'm so honored to be here. I'm so honored that you would call me. I'm so honored that you would allow us to serve Seaford, to love on people. God, I just want to thank you this morning for this middle school, and I pray your blessing on it. As teachers transition out of uh, learning into planning and all the things that they do, we pray your blessing on it. We, we pray your blessing on every church in Seaford. We pray that their seats would be full. We pray, God, that you would just move we're thankful that you allow us to move and all of the things that you've done to make us <laughs> be able to launch over these past two years. God, you are so good and we are so overwhelmed with love for you. Thank you so much for everything you're about to do today. And we give you all the glory for we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Y'all can have a seat. Oh, man, that was fun. Did you guys enjoy that? I enjoyed that. That was awesome. All right, so this morning, um, I am so excited. But first, I want to give honor to God. Um, man, isn't he good? Like, for real. <laughs> for real. I did a dirt dash yesterday, and I'm alive and walking. <laughs> that was crazy. Um, and I just want to thank all of our guests, even if people are listening through um, online, through podcasts. Like, I'm so grateful that you listen through the podcast. And just a disclaimer for our podcast friends, um, if you're going to be listening next week or if you're going to be here in person next week, please make sure that you um, know that this is a sensitive topic and that it might not be kid-friendly. So we're going to make sure that if you have a middle schooler, you're going to talk to them about things beforehand or if you have a child that they are not uh, present because we believe in protecting children at Hope Church. Um, so last week, we talked about shame. Ooh. But it was good. So if you didn't hear that last week, I want you to catch up online. Um, I also want to take a moment to honor our partners in-house. So partners make the world go round here at Hope Church, and they serve every single Sunday faithfully. Everybody on team up here, everybody out here are, are volunteers. Um, just so you know, they give every week, and it's so good. So if you, um, can you guys just give it up? Even if it's you, clap for yourself. Clap for yourself, right. Yes. I love it. Um, uh, and so, by the way, my name is Pastor Emma Adams. I'm the lead pastor here at Hope Church, um, just in case you wanted to know. So here's a question I have for those of you who actually are in a relationship with Jesus. If you're here exploring Jesus, we're all about that. This is what we do. This is why we do what we do. Um, 
But if you have said Jesus, after you said yes to Jesus, by a show of hands, how many of you, like, never failed at all? Good. Thank you for being honest, because you've all failed. How many of you have not sinned or made a bad decision? I'm going to sit on my hands. Right? How many of you have lived out your faith perfectly? Right? I mean, you've never faltered or failed at all. Right, good. Nobody's raising their hands. Okay, good. We're not a bunch of hypocrites. Imagine that. (laughs) Definition of a hypocrite is somebody who is not truthful about failing. So I'm not raising my hand, and if you did raise your hand, you just should have put it down, because y'all who said yes to seeking Jesus first, I want to tell you a truth, that if you have um, a relationship with Jesus that is, that, that is good and fulfilling and sustaining, you're going to need to know this truth, okay? This is vital for your life. We're talking life long, and here's the truth. We all fail. The Bible says it this way in Romans 3.23, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So the picture that you want to paint for yourself in the Greek, from the Greek of the New Testament, is that we all cannot hit the bullseye. Okay? Like Robin Hood, we ain't doing it. Okay? We're not hitting the bullseye, and we're not doing it twice with an arrow. And if you can find somebody to do that, that's amazing, but that's not me in my spiritual journey. Because the enemy also has fiery darts. And he's aiming them at you. So just know there is a real God, and there's a real enemy. And he doesn't like us. He doesn't like what Jesus did on the cross. He doesn't like it when we said yes to him. And so we all have the potential to fail. So even after we uh, are walking in our relationship with Jesus for years, temptations can still come. The Bible says sin is crouching at your door in in Genesis 4-7. And the New Testament is rife with warnings about sin coming to trip us up. And the truth is we all fail. Okay? Some fail in ways that are visible to those around them. Others fail in ways that only Christ himself sees. So this is off to an uplifting and positive start, isn't it? Good times, Emma. We all suck. (laughs) Yes. And I can say that, and I'll apologize now. If that's offensive to you, I'm sorry. I'm not always perfectly sanctified in all of my language, full disclosure, because I fail right? So, so listen, you may, uh, you may be asking me, like, Emma, what in the world? Like, why? I've said yes to Jesus, and I'm having this relationship with me, and now you're telling me that I'm going to fail. Yes, I'm telling you you're going to fail, right? And that's exactly it. And I know, listen, I know that this does not sound like the beginning of, like, the best time of your life or, or an awesome eternity with Jesus, but it really, really is because, you see, failing is so important, Failing is so important. So since the pandemic, I, like many of us, have been having to make a journey back from failure. I have a longtime love of gluttony 
And as we all struggle with some things, this is my struggle at times, and I was inactive physically and failed to keep boundaries in my eating habits, right? And I'm admitting to you now that I failed in a way that others could see, okay? Full disclosure, right? Failed in the way that others could see. And I could totally see it, and more than that, I could feel it. I didn't like the way I felt, and I was tired and lacking energy and self-confidence and the self-discipline to take care of what Robert Madu calls his dirt bag, his uh, my body, formed of dirt, right? Because from the dust of the earth, we are formed, right? So my dirt bag uh, body, I knew I had... To, to make some serious changes to align myself with God's word that called me to be a good steward of all the gifts that God gave me. All of the gifts that God's granted me, including my dirt bag. I did a fun thing yesterday with my dirt bag and got it really dirty at the dirt dash. And um, I may or may not have bruised some, some, some arms and legs, but it was so fun. And that's one of the ways I'm journeying back from failure. And along this journey, I'm learning some really important information that I want to share to you about maintaining a healthy lifestyle. And I'm learning about muscle growth and strength, okay? I am learning all about this. You see, muscles are a super interesting part of our bodies. And if I'm understanding all of this correctly, and believe me, I'm no expert on any of this, um, but in order for our bodies to maintain optimal performance, we need to exercise and strengthen our muscles, right? right? Making sense, right? Muscles help us move. They carry us. They help us perform important everyday functions. If you want to pick up a, a bottle off of the floor, ladies, you need to know how to squat, right? With proper form or you're going to hurt yourself. Am I right? Right? Okay. So in order, uh, so in order to, to get all this together and to learn all of this, and in order to build muscle, I'm learning all about the process of failing, why is it important to fail when I'm challenging my muscles, right? So you see, when I try to lift something heavy, my muscles respond by causing micro damage to the muscle fibers. And this damage, after a while, reaches a point that the lifting world calls failure. You can no longer do the repetition. You can't, you just cannot anymore. That's failure. And it means you just keep performing until your muscles fail to perform. You got it? So I experienced this as I can't lift the dumbbell anymore. I can't do the function anymore. I can't hold the plank anymore. I can't do the things that I need to do. And I definitely can't squat anymore, especially after yesterday, right? It's, <laughs> it's a painful process. Growing muscle is not easy, is it? As a matter of fact, sometimes it just downright stinks. I'll use a nicer word this time, right? So the micro damage alerts your body during recovery to not only rebuild the weak muscle fiber, but to reinforce it. So that's why we do the protein, right, right, right? So, so that if, uh, so that it will not only not fail the next time you try to do that rep as easily, it will actually come back stronger and more capable of carrying the burden I place on it. You see, failing is important. When I fail, and when we fail in the area of our lives, and we see where our weaknesses are, we see that we're not good at keeping our temper when someone spitefully uses us. Amen? 
traffic anybody? What the heck? Right? We see that we are struggling to rely on Christ and our support systems rather than on substances like excess food or alcohol or abuse of illegal or prescription drugs. We see that we have a problem with lust and the desire to be lusted after, ladies. Can we just be real for a minute? Yes? We keep it real at Hope Church, do we not? We see that we have a problem with greed. Want more? Gimme, gimme, gimme. Not the band, me first and the gimme, gimme's from back in the day. No, 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 just gimme, gimme, right? Right? We see how we want to control other people's behavior for our favored outcomes rather than what is in their best interest. I'd like to say that again louder. We want to control people's behavior for our favored outcomes rather than what is in their best interest. This, my friends, is a sin, okay? Very clearly, this is not okay. Manipulating and controlling and using other people for your outcome is never okay. Never. So the truth that we're going to look at today is an epic failure in the Bible. And we're going to look um, at what we can learn from an epic failure in the Bible. And we will also see how we can become resilient and grow when we fail. Does that sound good? I'm down. Because I want you to see this morning that what's more important than failing is learning how to rise strong from it. It's resilience. And if you're going to make it in this faith, you're going to need resilience. You're going to need it. So there is so many examples of failures in the Bible that quite frankly, it's hard to pick just one because God gave us all of the junk that everybody messed up on so that we could maybe like learn it before we have to go through it ourselves, right? So we're going to look, I mean, listen, Adam and Eve, right? I mean, all the way from Adam and Eve through the Apostle Paul, we see lives pocked with failures like a hunter run through a sugar field, okay? You know what I'm saying? It's just full of them. But unlike chiggers, the failure stories in the Bible are there for a reason. I don't know what chiggers are for except to just be the devil's advocates and like bite you. And it's not fun, okay? If you've ever had them, just know. Listen, there is a purpose for the failures in the lives of the people in the Bible. And there is a purpose for failures in your life too. So, I finally landed on like the most epic fail I could find. And it's one that, that just kind of blows everybody's mind because it's that of King David's major failure found in 2 Samuel. So we're going to recap the big picture just in case you don't know the details. And then we'll pick up where David finally responds from his failure. So David is a man after God's own heart, right? He said yes to God and is a follower. He has plenty of exercise in doing what's right in God's eyes. He has pumped the iron of self-control when he had the opportunity to kill Saul, who was hunting him down to kill him. Okay? That talk about a bad boss right? So he has led well and been noble and brave and totally kind and generous in his conquests. He took care of people. And he is now set up as king in Jerusalem and is reigning, and we land on him settling into kingship and comfortably enjoying the blessings of the Lord. 
And we read in 2 Samuel 11, this epic fail. David is supposed to be off at war with his army. Fail one. He's not doing his job. He sees a hot lady from the palace roof. Though he has wives and concubines plenty, he wants her for himself. Fail two. He finds out her name is Bathsheba and that, is, that she is the wife of one of his 37 mighty men, his brothers in arms, guys, who just happens to be off fighting for God, king and country. His name is Uriah the Hittite. And David sends for her and they become acquainted and she gets pregnant with David's child. Fail three. David then commands Joab to have the Ammonites kill Uriah in battle to save David's reputation and cover up the whole affair, fail four. It works. Uriah is placed on the front lines of battle and his friends are ordered to retreat, leaving him uncovered, and there he dies. Fail five. David rode the fail train all the way to fail town and got up and set up a house in Failureville, right? Like how in the world? So let's notice some things. He's not where he's supposed to be. He's forsaken his friends and his duties. He's not talking to Nathan the prophet or to God. He is not resisting temptation as it presents itself. He looks at the weight of sin and doesn't even flex in trying to lift it or resist it. His inability to resist and flex a small muscle results in muscle failure when the full weight of temptation is dropped in front of him. He has his friend killed. Guys, let's realize that oftentimes failures will snowball. So now let's read 2 Samuel 12, 1 through 13. This is a long one, so bear with me. Because this is what happens next. And it's very important if we're going to learn resilience. Then the Lord sent Nathan to David. Nathan is the prophet. And he came to him and he said to him, there were two men in one city, one rich and the other poor. The rich man had exceedingly many flocks and herds, but the poor man had nothing except one little ewe lamb, which he brought back and nourished. And it grew up together with him and his children. It ate of his own food and drank from his own cup and lay in his bosom. And it was like a daughter to him. Anybody with daughters? Right. Gary fight. And a, trailer, a traveler came to the rich man who refused to take his own flock from his own herd to prepare one for the wayfaring man who had come to him. But instead, he took the poor man's lamb and prepared it for the man who had come to him. So David, his anger was greatly aroused against the man. And he said to Nathan, as the Lord lives, the man who has done this shall surely die. And he shall restore fourfold the lamb because he did this thing because, and because he had no pity. Listen to this. Then Nathan said to David, you are the man. Thus says the Lord God of Israel, I anointed you king over Israel and I delivered you from the hand of Saul. I gave you your master's house and your master's wives into your keeping and gave you the house of Israel and Judah. And if that had been too little, I also would have given you much more. Why have you despised the commandment of the Lord to do evil in his sight? 
You have killed Uriah the Hittite with the sword, and you have taken his wife to be yours, your wife, and have killed him with the sword of the people of Ammon. Now, therefore, the sword shall never depart from your house because you have despised me and have taken the wife of Uriah the Hittite to be your wife. Thus says the Lord, behold, I will raise up adversity against you from your own house, and I will take your wives from before your eyes and give them to your neighbor. And he will lie with your wives in the sight of the sun, for you had did it in secret, but I will do this thing before all Israel, before the sun." But this is the important part. So David said to Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. So we can learn so much from David's failure. We can learn how to become resilient by noting what he did and what he did not do. So it took a serious word picture from the prophet Nathan, right, to really paint in what to do. You see, David had to halt the train <laughs> from getting all the way to fail town. And he failed to do that. But I want you to know in God's kingdom, that train never stops moving as long as you keep stepping in step with Jesus, okay? So for us, it doesn't have to ever get to the place where it got to with David. It doesn't have to go that far because the good news is that God desires for us to have a way back to him. A way to rise strong when we fail. When we fail. The Bible says so much when John wrote to us, My little children, these things I write to you so that you may not sin. And if anyone sins, we have an advocate with the Father Jesus Christ, the righteous. So here we go. Resiliency. How to rise strong from a failure. Either when you realize that you have failed or someone has brought your failure to your attention, what you do next determines whether or not you rise or whether you pitch a tent and fail town and live there for years. Some of us have. I've seen many people pitch a tent in fail town and just live there. But I want you to know you don't have to do that. So I'm going to give you some steps. Okay, so the first thing we do when we fail is this. Number one, analyze yourself in light of the scriptures and in light of God. You can't know that you failed if you're not analyzing yourself against Jesus' instructions. You can't know that you failed if you're not prayerfully communicating with God or his representatives. Okay? Clear? Number two, admit that you failed. Admit you failed. Recognize that you have sinned. 1 John 1, 8 says, If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not within us. So you have to admit that you have sinned. So be honest with yourself. Admit that it hurt. Admit exactly how you failed. Be specific. Because when you confess out of your mouth, Jesus, I failed when I, and I'm so sorry, it engages your brain, and it helps you to remember, dang it, I don't want to do that again. 
I don't want to repeat this behavior again because it hurt myself or it hurt others or it hurt God. So the next thing you need to do is confess your sin to God. You say something like, Jesus, I read what you said when you said whoever looks at a woman with lust for her has already committed adultery with her in his heart. You be specific. Get honest with yourself and with God. John writes us this reminder. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us for all, of all unrighteousness, right? So the next thing you got to do is this. Confess and seek forgiveness of those affected by your failure. Our relationships with others and our relationship with God are interwoven. That is why Jesus emphasized the importance of loving God and loving your neighbor as yourself. So if you confess your sin to God, that is the absolute right place to start. But if you never confess your sin to the people you've sinned against and those affected by your sin, you are failing to recover well. You are failing to recover well. You cannot recover from the failure if you do not recognize the failure and do everything within your power to make it right. So I'm going to give you some really valuable phrases this morning that have helped me and are helping me when I fail and I need to set relationships right again. This is really good language that you can use. I need to ask you for forgiveness. I did X. Be specific. And I know that it was X. I know that it hurts you. I know that it betrayed your trust. I know that I should not have done that, right? Number two. That was number one. That was number two. I did not honor you by the way I dot, 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 dot. I've had to do that. When people are over me in the Lord, you guys, I'm a bulldog. I love to get stuff done, and I'm bossy as heck. Oh, man. I can ask my parents. That's why my dad laughed, okay? But one of the best ways I can recover is to tell somebody when they bring to my attention that, like, I railroaded them because I was like, bulldog, get it done, is to say, you know, hey, you did this. And I can say, man, I'm so sorry I did not honor you by the way I railroaded your project or by when I took over or whatever it is. I'm looking at Kylie, right? Um, like, <laughs> so... That's number two. Number three, another, another sentence you can say, I want to be stronger, better Jesus follower, and I need help. Do you know how powerful of a confession that is? I want to be a stronger, better Jesus follower, and I need help. Simple, I need help. I need help. That's why I read my Bible. I need help. That's why I pray and have accountability partners. I need help. And so do you. If you want to be a Jesus follower, a stronger, better Jesus follower, you need help. And that's why I sent the Holy Spirit, right? And just so you know, today is Pentecost Sunday. It's the church's birthday. Over 2,000 years, right? Of a birthday for the church. And we'll talk about more of that in a minute. Number four. Here's a big one. Here's the truth. I don't let my kids say, I'm sorry. Because I'm sorry is not good enough. 
I make my children say, will you please forgive me? Do you, see, do you hear the difference? I'm sorry. Even I'm sorry is good, but to say to somebody, will you please forgive me? Will you grant me forgiveness? Right? It's huge. So when you're seeking forgiveness, instead of just saying, I'm sorry, you give the person the opportunity to express to you their pain, to help you analyze your failure better and release you from their right to punish you for what you did. Do you understand that's what forgiveness is? It's hard. But that is what forgiving and pardoning is about. I will release you from my right to hold your failure against you. I'm going to say that again. I will release you from my right to hold your failure against you. Forgiveness is clearing the record. David failed to confess and rectify with those whom he sinned against. He got right with God and God spared his life at the time, but he did not spare him the consequences of his failures. Some of those consequences could have been forgiven, like his relationship with Joab. He needed to go to Joab, who he asked to kill their friend, and say, bro, I should not have done that to you. Right? if he had just sought forgiveness. I want you to know that you may have to face the consequences of your failures. But you can do so knowing that you are doing what Christ would have you do and your relationship with him is aligned and you are in right standing with Christ. You know what I'm saying? When you confess your failures to those who you have failed, you will strengthen your relationship with them and with God. That's why confession is so important. You also exercise the humility muscle, and this is hard, and then in turn exercise uh, your empathy muscle. You empathize, and you're humbled, and that person is empath empathic and humble too. There's an exchange, and it's a beautiful exchange. So, it's very, very hard. Can I tell you, I know it's hard, guys. I know forgiveness and I know processing pain is very, very hard. And it is messy and it is complicated and you're probably screaming in your head, but you don't know what they did to me. I don't. But you do. And God does. And if you want to rise strong and build the muscle to resist failure in the future, to develop resiliency, you will have to be brave and face your failure head on. That's why the Bible says, fear not. Take courage. So many times. So if you analyze yourself in light of scriptures, you admit that you failed, and you work to make it right with God and with man, you will begin to grow and you will become stronger. You will be able to resist more and more temptation. You will develop resilience that will help you rise strong. And you will grow spiritual muscle that will help you in the game of life and get you off 
of the fail train. It's called sanctification. And you can be sanctified. You can be fully made right with God now. So, the reason that I can talk about failure and resilience is that I failed. Sometimes I have taken the fail train and put up a tent in fail town, guys, and I didn't know how to get out. And the more I failed to address my initial failure, the further I drove the train away from my relationship with God. And I was the conductor, and I was the engineer of that train. And my relationship with God grew more and more distant, and my marriage and vital relationships began to get left behind. And for about two years, I systematically began to let failure fuel the next catastrophes in my life until I woke up hungover and hating who I was becoming and longing for the joy I once felt in my relationship with Jesus. So after I analyzed myself in the light of scriptures, I knew I had some confessing to do and some getting right to do. And I had to clean up the fail tent and had to get back on the fail train and chug that puppy back to a healthy place. So after confessing sins to Alfie and God, I got off the train and I lit it on fire. I had to end relationships with some of the people who were fueling my fail train. And slowly, I began to reestablish the good habits of building my faith muscles again. I began attending church again. I began to read my Bible and pray again. I began to invest in my marriage again. I began to teach my son what I was learning Kian got a front row seat to a life getting back on track with God as a two-year-old kid. He might not remember it, but I will never forget that as a two-year-old boy, he went from singing club music to singing Lori's stories, Great God Who Saves, in the back seat of my car. Because God is still transforming me. And he is still helping us rise strong as a family. I still fail. I have to ask forgiveness and exercise my resistance to temptations. I don't fail as hard now or as often now. But when I do fail, I don't stay down long either. Everyone fails. It's how you rise that matters. It's how you respond to God's correction that will determine your destination. Do you want to stay in fail town or do you want to rise strong? Determine this morning to rise strong. One of the best ways to strengthen yourself is to equip yourself with God's word. So I want to remind you of the verse we are studying, memorizing, and prioritizing in this series. And that's, the verse in Ephesians, and the whole section actually, about putting on the full armor of God. But this is this week's verse for you. It says, in addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all, how many? All the flaming arrows of the evil one. 
please let me hear you say, I just want you to hear me say this. The enemy doesn't have to win. Do you hear, did you read that? It said all the flaming arrows. Y'all, he's a punk. And Jesus won. And you are victorious. And you are an overcomer. And there is no weapon formed against you that's going to prosper. He's got this. And because he got this, you got this. You got this. You can do this. You can overcome. Picking up the shield of faith is flexing the muscle to rise strong, knowing that the enemy wants you to fail. Get your shield up. It's your faith. Fuel your faith. If you don't fuel your faith, the enemy will fuel your failure. And he will destroy you. And you'll help him. Because you didn't build the muscle to lift the shield. Lift the shield. Read your Bible. Pray. It's important. Come to church. It's so good in person. Right, guys? Come on. It's okay. We're not totally weird. We're semi-weird. Yes, thank you, friends. Right? It's a good weird, right? It's a good weird. So when you're running into battle and you're feeling fear, rise strong and lift that shield of faith and hold tight and trust God. He's got you. It's a big shield and it's in the shape of Christ. It's his body was broken and it was his blood that poured out for you. So if you're here this morning, and you don't have a relationship with Jesus, now is the time, and, and this is the hour. If you're listening whenever, I don't care when you're listening, because God knows he's going to use this. He can make a difference in your life. You don't have to fail. And if you're here, and you're listening, or if you're online, and you're listening, and you're saying, I need to say yes to Jesus for the first time. I've never had anybody explain that I can actually rise from my failures, and I'll have to live there you can say yes to Jesus this morning. It's very easy. Um, you can uh, snap a QR code uh, that'll be on the screen, or you can uh, text. Uh, I don't know. Text something to 94,000 because I'll figure it out. That's me. Something like that. <laughs> we'll find you. Um, or if you need to make a recommitment this morning too, you can totally do that. And that's just as valuable and just as important because there is something called sanctification and I want you to get there. I want you to get a place where you don't have to pop up a tent and fail town, that you can get on that fail train and chug that thing right back to Jesus and stay there because there is no greater thing than your relationship with Jesus. Trust me, I've tried it. I've tried what the world can offer and I've tried what Jesus can offer and I can tell you there is nothing better than Jesus. Nothing. It is the fire in my bones. It is the light in my heart. It is the joy that I seek. It is the treasure that I found. It's the pearl of great price. I mean, let, I could just go on, okay? I could just rap about it, but I'm, I'm going to spare y'all. I'm going to leave that up to my husband, okay? So if you want to say yes to Jesus and you want somebody to follow up, or if you want to recommit your life today and you want somebody to follow up, that's what we do. This is what we do. This is who we are as a church. So please connect with us. Shoot, you can send an email to info at Hope Marvin. We'll, we'll get you. We got you, fam.
I'm going to pray over us, and then I'm going to hand it off to my amazing husband, hopefully. Yeah, okay, cool. Um, I'm just making sure everything's working today. Um, so I want to pray over you. Would you stand? Is that weird? Can we stand for just a sec? I like to pray over you. Is that cool? It's Pentecost. We can do weird things on Pentecost Sunday. That's what Pentecostal people do, right? Weird stuff. I don't know. It's fine. It's not going to be that weird, okay? So, Father, I just ask that you would be with us, that you would help us rise strong when we fail, because it's only by the power of your Holy Spirit that we can do that. It's only in your presence that we're made whole. God, I pray that this community would always cultivate wholeness. And that wholeness has to start with me. And that wholeness has to start with each and every one of us individually. So I just ask that you would continue to sanctify me. Continue to help me work on the failures that I continue to walk in and those that are seen and those that are unseen. I pray, God, that you would help us all collectively to grow in our sanctification, grow more like you, God. More like the, the son Jesus you sent to shield us from the enemy. God, I pray that you would help each of us flex our muscles of faith and grow in our faith daily. That we might stand tall and firm and steadfast. Because there's no losers in your kingdom. There's only winners. There's only overcomers. And that is what we are when we put our faith in you. And we're so grateful that you're going to do all this work according to your word and every promise that you made that is yes and amen in Jesus Christ. Amen. We hope you found today's message both helpful and inspiring. Hope Church meets every Sunday at 10 a.m. in Seaford, Delaware at the Seaford Senior High School Auditorium. If you would like more information, you can find it at www.hopedelmarva.com that's hope, D-E-L-M-A-R-V-A dot com. Thanks for listening.